I've just bought a chair. Have you? <laughs> Literally. Your first ever chair? No, it's my first time. Look, can you not see? I'm sitting down. It's the first time. This is great. Oh, I don't know why mate. I didn't do it years ago. <laughs> no, you great. know those little chairs that are angled? They're supposed to be ergonomic and good for your back. Yes. They've got a kneely pad and a thing. Yeah. Well, they're quite expensive normally, but yeah. I just walked past, like you do, on the way to the post off, post box. I... I walked past and, and I saw one there and I thought, oh, I've been looking out for one of those. And I said, how much is it? He said, three quid. Three wow. quid? That's less than the price of a cinema ticket. When, so, when you said you were walking to the post office and you saw one there, was it just in his garden or something? No, what no, no. Is I passed the uh, the second-hand shop. Oh, OK, great. Shop. So you're on a, one of those Neely posture chairs. I am chairs. very excited. Yeah, That's it's great. Good. So comfortable, can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, I used to have one of those. <laughs> I think I did my back in lifting it up. <laughs> Welcome everybody to episode 91? 91. Oh, such confidence. I'm Nick Page and I'm Joe Davis. Hi, I just started saying I'm both Nick Page and Joe Davis. <laughs> yes, I am. Split uh, personality. Part of me is really happy and up and part of me is completely depressed. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute because I know what your week's been like compared to mine. Um <laughs> Anyway, talk with, well, let's we might as well talk about it straight away. What how are you? How have you been doing? <laughs> oh good. That's great. I got a chair. Uh yeah. <laughs> we had a bake off party last night, of course. Very good. Someone bought a showstopper. Well done. She's good. Now, we we should explain to people um who don't follow this. Well the there isn't anyone who off. doesn't know what the bake off is, surely. Well there there might be some people. We have we have listeners in, you know, yeah. I don't know, Mongolia and places okay, like that. Yeah, that's and, true. <laughs> so Great British Bake Off, uh, which is now a British institution. And um, <laughs> it's it's a very tense programme about it cake is. making. Yeah, it is. So um, I don't think this series has been a classic series, I'll be honest. It hasn't been a classic series. I don't think we had a classic winner particularly. But mm. it was great. And uh, Sandy Tusvik and Noel Fielding are really funny. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to like it when Mel and Sue didn't present it anymore. But I uh, do. It's great. Yeah. Okay, so well, that's been good. So you've had a bake-off party. Had a bake-off party. Obviously loved the rugby. I think we'll say a bit more about that later. Mm. Uh, went to see a friend in Avita. Brilliant. He would be at home in the West End, I'll tell you. Oh, and right, then, okay. okay, so which film do you think I went to see? I was given a choice on Monday mm-hmm. between Terminator mm. or Farmageddon. Farmageddon? What's that one? <laughs> I, I don't see. know what Farmer is. That, is that the... You don't, it's Shaun the Sheep. It's from oh. the Hardman Studios. It's hilarious. Okay. You, uh, you well, have to go and see Given it. you've just told me it's hilarious, I kind of guess you yeah, went well, to see it, that you, one. You've ruined it by not knowing. How can no. you not have heard? Where have you been? The cultural well, isolation I've... of Ensham is extraordinary. I don't think it's Ensham. I think it's my own increasing cultural isolation <laughs> and not, not bothering to look at things anymore. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's great. So was it good? Oh, it was just terrific. It is so funny. It is great. I laughed a lot. Anyway, so there you go. So that's it. Anyway, enough about me. Anyway, mm. but life is good. All is well. How about, how about you? How are you doing? Yeah, it's been really, really quiet. Uh, Claire's been away. Um, oh, so you've been home I, alone? Yeah, largely. So I was just what? on my own with a dog and uh, just reading and... Um, Drinking? 
No, no. Well, actually, I'm a little bit off the alcohol at the Are moment. You? Yeah, I'm trying to cut. You know, trying to sort of rein it in a little bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, it's it's a really quiet, which of course I love. Good. And that yes. is the difference. I was reflecting on this, you know, when we talk about this, because that is, <laughs> these weeks are just so different. There's you, when you say to you, what have you been doing this week? I've been out here. I've organised so I've got a party. There's people, oh, life, I'm drinking it in, quaffing <laughs> at the the full flagon of life. Exactly. And then me, I am sipping the dry sherry of isolation. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, But I love it. I love quiet. I, I love do. being a me. It's great. I know you do. You're a strange and weird man, but it is lovely. I know. It's beautiful yeah. in its own way. Yeah, funny. So that's I, a... Did you watch the rugby on Saturday? Of course I watched the rugby. Oh. I oh. I think in... Uh, oh, I've been watching rugby since I was about 11, 12, I should think. Right. So that's that's what? That's 13 years now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um... say 63. <laughs> <laughs> So that's uh, that's like you know forty hour for many years, and um, I don't think I've ever seen England play as well as that. Actually. Right, it's incredible, wasn't it? It, it, was it struck me beautiful. that that I felt like um, it, this. I, I thought to myself, this must be what supporting the All Blacks is like. Yes, you know that that yeah. sense of complete domination, complete confidence. Yeah. You know yeah. what's going to happen. You know, it was bizarre. So we'll probably lose the final now, but you know who? Well. And I like the way I like the little gamesmanship around oh, the yeah. uh, around the hucker because I think the hucker's a bit of gamesmanship. I mean, no one else gets to, you know, do chants and make faces and slap their thighs before well, some a of game. The, some of the South Sea Island ones do the Fijians do they? and the oh, Samoans okay. can. They, yeah, yeah, but but, but nobody's know. particularly scared of them. Whereas the news, the All Black, we ought to again, yeah. we ought to explain for those who have not um, embraced uh, the joy that is rugby and who, who, yeah, you know. Maybe follow that sport where everybody wears helmets. Yeah. Uh, that uh, <laughs> the the New Zealanders do a a Thramaui haka, I think yeah. it's a, you know uh, at the beginning, yeah. which is a kind of it's sort of a welcome, but it's sort of a uh, sort of quite threatening thing. And yes, yeah, very tribal. And basically, and... Uh, it occurred to me what the British, what the English team should do is they should Morris dance. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that would give yeah. the threatening edge? Well, while they are, well, I'll put um, I'll put a, a link to a video of the hacker on for people. But you know, while while the All Blacks are doing the hacker, if they were up opposite them waving hankies about, <laughs> that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. <laughs> Just, that would so completely good. take the wind out their sails. Because it, it would just say, we're not taking this seriously at all. them. <laughs> anyway, I've been thinking a lot about sport. We could talk about that another time, I think. because, uh, But uh, it's going to be a big week. Uh, we're in the World Cup final. so Yeah, that's good. So, Do you, do you think we're going to win, Joe? I, I, I hate to say I do. Um, because, you know, that just curses it, doesn't it? As we mm. know. But, uh, yeah, I do. I think I really think we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will so either be na- eating we very humble pie next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would be a terrible disaster. This is what supporting England is all about. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, yes, good. Anything else you want to talk about? Dates? Well, Things actually, like that? Hey, I probably should talk about dates. Has I'm assuming every listener has booked into Lee Abbey next year to see both you firstly in March, although your dates I'm slightly hazy about. And so us, am I. Yeah, and us together 
in June, uh, on the 8th to the 12th of June. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if you haven't, you know, that's an oversight on your part. And you yes. know, if you can't afford to come, then just remember Christmas is coming and tell all your friends to pay for you. Yeah, that, what so, a great idea. <laughs> so that's, that's that. A, hey, we haven't got to do a Christmas episode this year because we did it in June, remember? That's oh. true. Well, we could, what we should oh. do is a sort of Harvest Festival episode. Yeah, exactly. Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, and the other thing is, uh, yeah, I've been wondering about doing a bird watching day maybe next year, June. Is there an appetite to do that again? Mid faith crisis and bird watching. It's a very niche area. Uh, but last year, oh, well, I should say this year, technically, we um, we went to uh, Minsmere, which is just a brilliant bird reserve. And we, we looked at wonderful birds and we talked about mid, all things mid faith crisis. Uh, I think you said you wouldn't be up for it next year, but uh, I am. So if people want to do that, is that right? No, well, I, 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 again, we actually haven't had a conversation. Yeah, about but your this. exact words are, "I hate people." And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, crowds. I feel like you're extending that invitation generally to no. me as well because no, we actually haven't discussed it. But no, why okay. would we? No, uh, exactly. You know. We've never done that. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know what... I'd, it, it, I, it depends really on books for me, on how many books I take on next year. Yeah, exactly. Well, take on less books and come birdwatching would be my tip. Yeah. But my, Just uh, what, what? Yes, it would have no effect on my bank balance whatsoever. I wouldn't have thought, actually. No, exactly. <laughs> Might as well. Probably get, <laughs> get more for birdwatching than I would. <laughs> anyway, never mind that. Um, so there's that. And the other thing I just wanted to run past people is we, we have had a few ma- emails in from people asking about Soul Place and how we how you know they're interested in running their own cult. And uh, Rachel and I just wanted to say to people, um, you know, if you if you are interested, if where you are, you feel like gathering a few people and running a group along the lines of Soul Place, we'd love to talk to you about that. So get in touch. Send an email to Joe at midfaithcrisis.org and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Come down, spend some time with us. Um, we'd love to help. Yeah, but good. That's okay. about that. Well, that's all the the housekeeping out of the way, I think. It is. That's the church notices. Shall we? I think we should. And uh, this is going to be a feedback episode. Really oh yeah, based on last week's. Um, but what feedback? Listen. Yes, yes. Last last week's just little cheery discussion about death. But um, you know, great feedback, and thank you for everybody who writes in. Yes. Um, so I think what we'll just do is just chat around those today. Um, yes, indeed. And we have had some some really great stuff in. So thank you so much. Described by one person on the Facebook page as possibly the most important episode yet. <sighs> what a statement. Yeah, but what? it depends how important they think the other episodes were. <laughs> Not <isn't> particularly. <laughs> the other episodes were. Nothing, nothing short of deeply trivial, you know. Actually, we should talk about that. If you do, um, that would be good. If you like the show, you know, do review it and put comments up on iTunes and things like that, because it does make a big difference to uh, how how many people we can carry on fooling. Exactly. exactly. That's. I'm very grateful if people felt that. I I felt before we start. I mean, I felt. You know, more than ever with last week's episode, a sort of certain sense of imposter syndrome. Right. Because, you know, talking yeah, about yeah, things that saying. really, I don't think I, I've encountered to the depth that so many other people have. And I yeah. feel it even now, sort of, as we're preparing for feedback, really. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, I think with Claire going away this week, I did realise kind of like, 
you know, if 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 I lost her, I don't know what I'd do. I, I think I'd inevitably go into some kind of decline. Really, I don't yes, know how I'd cope would. with it. Really, yes. I'd shut myself away, and then you'd yeah. be phoning me every day, suggesting, uh, yeah. you know, I get, you know, come out with you or something to cheer exactly. myself up or something. I would. It's be true. A disaster. So it I do feel true. that quite strongly. So I'm very grateful for people for for, yeah. for you know, um, for their understanding. You know, I I I think we are on sensitive ground all the time with this kind Absolutely. of stuff, and and, and re- really sensitive ground, really sacred ground as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah and, and and I think one of the things that came through, and I'm sorry if I don't read out your email, but one of the things that really did come through was there there is a real difference between coming to terms with. Your, you know, like your own death. Yeah, yeah. Which is relatively easy, I think, for some. Not everyone, but for some. And then there's a, a separate issue, which is the grief of losing a loved yes, one. And that's yes. what people, I think, were yeah. really wanting to say. There's a big difference between those two. Anyway, uh, let's come on to it. Firstly, from okay. Bob, which should be pronounced Bob. Of course. Uh, who says this? Uh, death is the friend that betrays you. You have tea with her when you're talking about your own death, but she will betray you in a heartbeat yeah. when she steals your loved one. It's a race to the finish as to whether I die as, as whether I die as friends with death or whether I feel that betrayal of loved ones dying before me. Yeah, yeah. I so that's what you were just talking about. Right? Yeah, that's a great summary of I think a message that was coming through. And Danny, whose email we read out last week. Um, thank you, Danny. Uh, again went on to draw the distinction between her own death and the death of the loved one. She said this. She said, for me, and I realise it may be different for others, it's not so much the idea of Dave's death that is hard, because he stepped into that deeper existence, but it's the pain and the devastation that his death has left behind that is so tricky to live with. I can somehow prepare for my own death. I can't prepare for the heartache and loss that the death of someone loved brings. My own death is gained to me. I'm pretty sure to Dave his death was gained to him. To me, it was loss. And I think that really sort of summarises, really, um, that distinction. So thanks so much for that, Danny. Uh, Really uh, appreciate that. Moving on. uh, uh, Oh, and she did say thanks again for making me laugh while exploring real and oftentimes painful issues. Thank you, Danny. Okay, uh, John, dear listener and beloved friend of the podcast, John, he says this, enjoyed your last podcast on death. I've thought about this topic so much over my adult pastoring life. I've been interested over the years as much as anything about why Christians who talk big about eternal life are often scared to death of death. And to be honest, I'm not excited about dying particularly. Maybe the great American philosopher, theologian Woody Allen said it best. I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> Good quote. <laughs> Truly, though, you spent a chunk of time in recent interview around thinking differently about Paul as regards the use of the phrase faith in Christ versus faith of Christ. It was helpful. And I think falling back on Paul on the issue of resurrection life is super helpful. I found N.T. Wright's book, The Resurrection of the Son of God, extraordinary. Wright, as Nick was also saying, makes the resurrection life incredibly physical. The aim of Christ isn't just to make people new, but to make all things new. Even creation is groaning and waiting for resurrection. One big thing that I got from Wright is that the resurrection isn't a trek back to the Adamic state of physicality, but forward into what God always intended for us, a sort of trans-physicality. He gets into this later in the book. 
What's going to look like exactly? That's a good question. Will there be leaky pipes in the resurrection? I'm not sure. But if so, it's likely if the plumbers will be the guys who thought resurrection was something like melting into God. He's having a go at me there, the swine. Anyway, I know it. I'm going to spend eternity fixing the blooming shower. Anyway. He says, but seriously, I've often thought that believers in particular are still afraid of death because they can't get their head around heaven, which Wright says isn't a New Testament idea at all. Going to heaven when we die, but when one gets hold of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15, resurrection takes on a whole new and much more concrete experience, something we can get our heads around because we experience that now. In any case, that's been really helpful for me. Mm, You know what would be awesome? An interview with N.T. Wright. Yeah, it would be awesome. Um, set that up, please, John. That'd be great. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but good points. Yeah, very good. Uh, thanks, John. I, I, uh, that physicality thing, that mm. you've got it and I want it, but I just, I don't know, I can't see it. We'll come on to that in a bit. Anyway. I have got the physicality you want. This is true. Yeah, you've got the physicality I, 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 I have. Shall I read one? Yes, please do. Okay, here we go. This is from uh, Ruth. It's a fairly uh, uh, long one, but, but really good. Yeah, so good we haven't redacted it. No. Dear Joe and Nick, uh, let me start by saying how much I love the podcast. Oh, no, so now I can't go on. I'll yeah. have to stop now. <laughs> Hide in a corner. Uh, keep up the good work, please. I just wanted to share a few thoughts after listening to last week's one on death. To be honest, I have many, many thoughts following listening to it, but I'm attempting careful pruning. I have found that facing the death of someone you love and facing your own death or mortality are two very different things. In fact, these differences are starkly contrasted in the emails you shared. My dad died when I was in my early 20s. I was so shocked. My mum had cancer 10 years before that and she recovered. I'd fully expected dad to recover too. After all, he was a Christian with a steadfast faith in God and lots of people were praying for him. We, my siblings and I, were all told that we were not to mourn him as he was going to be with God in heaven and that to mourn was somehow displaying a lack of faith. So I dutifully put on bright clothes for the funeral and I recall making a huge effort to be discreet in my tears. Not surprisingly, I then buried my grief and had to deal with it many, many years later. Of course, I was broken-hearted at losing my dad. I missed him terribly and so often wanted his wise words, reassuring spirit and his endless capacity to love and to offer help. He never met my husband or knew any of his grandchildren. Mourning that loss was absolutely the right thing. Being angry at all I'd lost, being in denial, weeping and lamenting, they were all so necessary. Roll on nearly 30 years to the death of my mum, I, was sim- I simply was unable to get through that one by burying my grief again. And indeed that was the catalyst which drove me to a wonderful counsellor who helped me work through all of this. Although mum was elderly, I still railed against her death. She was my supporter, my faithful prayer person, my friend as well as my mum, and no one else was going to send me amusing newspaper clips about bad grammar. (laughs) So although I again put on bright clothes for the funeral, I mourned for a long time. Every morning I tried to remind myself as soon as I woke that mum was dead. That way it would not come as a shock when I remembered later in the day. So no, death was in no way a friend when I faced these losses. Roll on again to last year. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in May and then had 14 months of treatment, most of it fairly nasty. I recall so well one particular day last summer when I was in severe pain from the side effects of chemo. I thought, I simply cannot keep doing this. I can't face going through another cycle, so I'm going to have to tell the hospital that I want no more treatment. Then the realisation hit me that if I did that, I'd die fairly soon. If you'd asked me before that moment how I would react to that thought, in all honesty, I would have said it would scare me. But to my surprise, I wasn't scared at all of dying. Somehow, in all the process of accepting I had cancer and asking friends not to pray for healing, but to pray for me to have strength to walk this road, 
that's another conversation for another time. Mm. I had come to a place of peace about my own mortality and the fact that my death may come soon. As it happened, the pain passed and came again and passed again many times over. I was able to complete my treatment. I'm not finished with this life yet. In fact, I'm having far too much fun having a year of celebration. But death is now a silent but constant companion and I've accepted his presence. When I think about what happens after death, I have hoped that I will be again with my parents, though I have no idea what that may look like. I often think of how the Jewish people at the time of Jesus had so misunderstood what it would be like when the Messiah came. Then I wonder if we totally misunderstand what we read in the Bible about life after death, the new heavens and the new earth. After all, so much is in metaphor and pictures that I expect to be surprised at how much better the reality is than anything I've ever imagined. I love Nick's moving further into God. I think that's what he said. I think it is. And I'm content to say that my hope is in God who loves me and who will not let me go. With love, Ruth. This is great. I I love that for so many reasons. A, I've been part of the year-long celebrations. Uh, oh, right, OK. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I didn't declare that I knew Ruth. OK. But, uh, but I'm so grateful she wrote in with those stories because there's, there's so much in there um, that I want to discuss. Can I kick off? Yeah, yeah, no, do. Well, it's very first, moving email. Well, firstly, I, you know, a classic one today. I did a funeral for someone who didn't want to fuss, and often people say, "I don't want to fuss. I don't oh, want." Yeah, you know, I don't even. Some people even say, "I don't want a funeral," and they're doing it with for noble reasons. But just when Ruth was sharing about, you know, not being allowed to grieve, a funeral service is really important. Mm. I think, and. Um, and so one of the things I want to say to people is, you know, be careful with your own funeral arrangements. And if you get the opportunity to talk to loved ones who, you know, are going to die before you sort of thing, have that conversation. Because it's actually really quite unhelpful to carefully choreograph your own funeral. And it can be very unhelpful for those who are left even though it's done for all the best reasons actually the funeral service is not for you because you're dead (laughs) it's for everyone that's the thing we come to terms with our own death and that's what these emails are saying but actually it's the loss that needs processing in a funeral service yeah so my dad did this a bit didn't he yeah he was quite not controlling that because of the wrong but he you know he he left a lot of instructions had a lot of time to think about Mm. it and I remember one of the things he said to me, he'd written it all down. He said, I don't want any special transport. You know, I just want the coffin. I want my body taken to the right. burial grounds. I don't want any special transport, anything, any fuss like that. Yeah. And I said, Dad, they have these cars that are specially designed for this called a hearse. I, I am not booking a rent van, all right? I don't care what you put in. Because it's more trouble than getting yeah, a hearse in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it was all, it was all kind of... You know, I don't make a fuss about me, but I, I wondered. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but anyway, yeah, ex- yeah. I, exactly that. For heaven's sake, let people, let people grieve. Yeah. yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am picking the music. I mean, I love Rachel, but I don't trust her to do that. Yeah, okay. And we're not just going to have endless take that music. No, you're going to have Bon Jovi again. I go. I'm having Bon Jovi live when I die. Um, yeah, okay. Sleep when I'm dead. I mean. Yeah, that's the okay. line from it. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And back in black as the curtains close. Although we probably won't close the curtains, but I just think that's a good bit of music. Do you want? Do you want me to wear black, or shall I come in my usual clown outfit that I wear? <laughs> yes, yeah, because there's nothing creepy about that at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay. Anyway, yeah. And anyway, back back to uh, yeah. Ruth. Sorry, I. But, but, Thank but, you so much for that. And I really liked what she said uh, at the end of that email about you know I wonder whether we've misunderstood it just like mm. the Jews misunderstood what the Messiah would look like. And mm. yeah, I I'm sure that's true. Um, you know, we don't. Have well, a, Jesus was asked that question. You know, he was given that example, wasn't he? he was, yeah. been one of those silly questions about well, you know, a woman marries multiple times. Who's who's wife yeah. is she going to be? And he said, well, it's not going to be like that. And he just sort of closed it down, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for that clarity, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He basically said, oh, shut up. Yeah, it's true. OK. OK, well, we're going to finish with another slightly longer one from uh, Chris. Shall I do this one? Yeah, you do that one, yeah. And he says... Um, Firstly, a huge thank you to you and Nick for the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, both encouraging and entertaining. I always look forward to a new episode. I wanted to respond to episode 90 on death, which I found very hard to listen to, but also very important. Four years ago, my wife and I had a baby girl. We were thrilled when only eight months later, my wife became pregnant again. This turned to devastation and despair when we suffered a miscarriage at 11 weeks. Over the next 14 months, we had four more miscarriages, one of which we know was twins. Having six of our own children die before we ever met them has brought us face to face with death. I cannot make friends with death. It is too powerful, too destructive, too devastating for those who are bereaved. Death is the enemy. Death is evil. I believe that death is never and has never been part of God's plan for the world or for any of us. Death is a consequence of a broken, imperfect world. I do not and cannot believe that God wanted six of our seven children to die. But perhaps I can forgive death. As Nick said, forgiving doesn't mean you approve of what it does. If I don't forgive death, then I permit it to hold power over me. Until I forgive death, I cannot try again, vulnerable to the possibility that death could act again. Until I forgive death, I cannot live again. Nick also said, I don't think I'm scared of death. I think life scares me a lot more. I agree. With regards to my own death, I have no fear of dying myself because then I will be fully with God. It is others dying while I'm left living that scares me because grief is so incredibly hard to live through. Joe talked about death being a taboo subject and people not being able to handle grief. That is especially true of miscarriage. Medical advice is not to tell anyone you're pregnant until 12 weeks, the period during which miscarriage is most likely. But that means that if your baby does die, you feel mm. like you can't tell anyone about it and you cannot grieve openly. My wife and I have been trying to use our grief as a drive to break this taboo, to change people's views on this, to make it acceptable to talk about miscarriage. One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. One in two if you're over 40. That's horrendous. And yet almost no one talks about it. No, I'm not scared of my own death because I know that when I die, I will meet my children. I will be with Jesus who died to defeat death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? We will be made new in a new heaven and a new earth. God himself will be with us. He will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. Mm. Well, thank you so much, uh, Chris, for, for sharing that. And I just mm. I feel it's such a privilege that people write to us with this, yeah. you know, really sacred, holy and, and personal stuff for them. Mm. And um well, I'd, I'd, I'd say a couple of things about that, um, if I may. Is that a good Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, firstly, I just think you make some really, really good points there. We we lost two children to miscarriage, and it was horrible. And one of the things that was most horrible, I've got to say, was the reaction of other people in the church. So, so someone actually said to Rachel at one point, aren't you over that yet? 
Oh, no. No. Now, you realise that they thought it was just like a cold. You know, you've gone down for a bit, you're a bit upset. Aren't you better yet? And that's more about them, obviously. Someone else, uh, an older lady in the church, her comforting words to Rachel was, don't worry, that's just God's way of getting rid of defective babies. Oh, oh. oh. I, th- I think I think you might be able to trace Rachel's uh, dis- <laughs> disaffection from church back to that moment, actually, Ooh. the more I think about it. And so, you know, you, you are not only managing your own grief, you're managing other people's. And I think Chris put it so eloquently there. If, you, if they didn't even know you're pregnant, it's then very difficult to go to them with... Well, we're mourning and we're mm. grieving. Mm. And and I think that's that it has been so well said. But I, I do want to finish with something that has been incredibly helpful for Rachel and I. Um, and that was we some years later, we had a service. The chaplain at St George's Hospital in Tooting uh, held a special service for us. And we, it was just obviously just the two of us attended. And um, we we laid two roses there and... As I remember it, we had some readings and a poem and, and some prayers. And that was a very helpful thing, a really helpful moment. And even now, thinking about it, I can feel the emotion coming back. But mm. to have a moment, and this is back to that, you know, why funeral service is important, to have a moment where, you know, actually we had this moment where together we said goodbye. It's not mm. that it totally takes away the pain, but it feels like it honours the death of two precious little lives. So I want to say to people this, if you've never done that and you've suffered from miscarriage, and it sounds like one in four people will have done, which I, I was a bit shocked by that stat, um, then, you know, A, talk talk to a pastor, a sympathetic pastor or someone or a chaplain or someone who will do that for you. If you can't find anyone, I would more than happily go to Worthing Beach with you and uh, you just need to contact joe at midfaithcrisis.org. We will have a little service and we will remember and we will we will go into the pain and then we'll leave it with God. So if, that, if, that's, if you've been affected by the issues discussed in this email, <laughs> get to, <laughs> to get in touch because I'd really like to do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would like to do that, people. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah, and thank you, I Chris. I didn't know that. I mean, obviously, oh, it was before yeah. we yeah. met. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. Do you know, um, I remember going to this uh, youth symposium on teenage sexuality and Riding Lights. They did this play on two twins, and the storyline was about how they were aborted eventually. And not only did I sort of cry at that point, <laughs> I wept uncontrollably. It was like that was the moment, all the grief that had been building up for about two or three years, that's where the whole lot came out. And I can remember like, I was sat next to Steve Chort and he was a bit embarrassed because it wasn't just that I was shaking my shirt. I mean, I was howling. I couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't start. Like the whole grief came out. I still feel the embarrassment of just being so out of control. Mm 
with my weeping and wailing at this event. Anyway, and you know, like I'm one of the members of Oasis. You know, the staff team's only about seven, and one of them's an uncontrollable lunatic. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's the side. These stuff stir us deeply. Do you know what? I do want to say one th- more thing about the uh, email. He said death is the enemy and death is evil. And I believe that death has never been part of God's plan for the world or for any of us. Death is a consequence of a broken, imperfect world. I just wanted to ask about that because I expect you you'll have some better thought through thoughts than I do on that. I wonder if that's right. Has was death never part of the deal? Because, you know, like what does that mean for evolution requires death? I mean, the planet would be overpopulated if no one ever died, wouldn't it? Uh I know I'm overthinking this, but I wonder, like, you know, with the seasons as well, it's like, is it that death was never part of God's plan or has death and resurrection always been part of the plan? I guess that's what I mean. I mean, I completely agree that God does not want babies to die. I'm 100% behind that one. But I just wonder whether death has always been a part of the deal, part of the creation setup. It goes through these cycles, death, resurrection, death, resurrection, death, resurrection. Well, I think it depends on your understanding of Genesis and your understanding of, yeah. the you know, the fall or whether you go with that. Yeah. And and I also, I also think that there's an echo of it a little bit. And when, when Jesus goes to uh, Lazarus, the raising yeah. of Lazarus, and there's that little verse that Jesus where Jesus weeps. Yeah, and sometimes I've heard that uh, preached on, and people and you read commentaries, and they say, "Well, Jesus weeps because of the lack of faith of the people yeah. there," which is utter tosh. It really is utter. <laughs> because yeah. I mean, their their brothers died, their friend has died, so you know he he go there and say, "Well, yeah. honestly, look at you lot not believing I can do." Why would why would they have any inkling he could do anything yeah. about that? You know, I think Jesus just cries because of death. I think he cries yeah. because his friend yeah, has yeah. died. Yeah. He cries because. Because it is, in a sense, yeah. wrong. It is messy yeah. and horrible, and it leaves people vulnerable and grieving yeah. and alone. And so, I think I can agree that death is is wrong on those yeah. counts. Whether how it came into being, what its point is, I don't. Yeah. You know, I think I don't. Right. I'm not sure about. We are, in a sense, you know, we are where we are with it, yeah. and the and the challenge is, are we prepared to to weep with it and to mourn with yeah. those who mourn? Sure. And yeah, yeah, no. And yeah. how do how do we do that really? Yeah, that's well, what it is good. for me. Well, we've solved that one. Great, thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there is that thing. I was as you were talking. Mm. I think maybe you could help here because you know, for those of us who haven't been through these experiences, yeah. how do we just help people? Do we, you know, in that in those situations, what what really helped you at that point? You know, you talked about the the horrendous yeah. things that happened in in the church but yeah i'm guessing there was some other yeah so supportive so, things and helpful yes exactly things. those who love and accept and say do you know what this is utterly terrible yeah. we're with you you know those who cared for us without judgment not judging our grief not judging our tears not trying to fix us yeah not trying to make it better not yeah. trying to come up with some theology because their theology couldn't handle it yeah you know that those were unhelped. Those people who just sat with us in it. I mean, it's, you know, time's the healer there. And I think you sort of, yeah, those were the really helpful things. Yeah. By the way, you said utterly <laughs> then. Are we allowed to say? Um, well, no, I'm just going to have to bongo it all out. Oh, OK, fine. 
because there are two new words in the dictionary. Did you know that? No. So pol- politics is being referred to as bolitics now. Did you know really? Brexit. Yeah, it's politics. Oh, particularly <laughs> true today. Honestly, what is yeah, happening? I know. It's and a then nightmare. Brexit has become Brexiternity. <laughs> 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 which, I, which I rather like. Yeah. Anyway, we digress uh, yeah. for a moment, but we should finish because we should finish. Yeah. yeah. Thank you to everyone for those fantastic emails, and I absolutely meant what I said. If if I can be of any help to people, um, and they and they think that some sort of service or memorial or remembrance of uh, dear ones that they've lost will be helpful. Please, please do get in touch with me, Joe at MidfaithCrisis.org. I would love to hear from you, and Rachel and I, we'd love to help. Yeah, and uh, do get in touch anyway. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, thank you to all those who support the show. That's very kind of you. Oh, yes, um, they are lovely. Thank you. Yeah, so, uh, you know, do 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 that. And uh, tell, if you like the show, tell other people about it. Um, and if you don't? Still tell other people about it. Excellent. we need the listeners. Because <laughs> all publicity is good publicity. Indeed. As the prophet and, uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor said. <laughs> Was she an 80s? No, no, she wasn't incredibly. Anyway, uh, and uh, we—I just leave you with uh, one thought, which is uh, this: Come on, England. Amen. <laughs>